Hi, Sophie. Hi, Sen. Hi, everyone. And welcome to episode 240 of the Snack Covenant. Wow. Since this is the beginning of a new season, we wanted to start it with something extra intellectual and smart. Hmm. So today, we're going to do the Elden Ring Bingo. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. Okay, so do you want to explain the bingo rules? As someone who spent their formative years in the Union, mm -hmm. I've never actually played bingo. Right. However, right. as somebody who was raised by American action movies in the Union, oh. I've seen a lot of bingo in those movies on TV. Right. Hi, Sophie here. One of the side effects of Sin's borderline alcoholism is that she sometimes gets the details of her own life wrong. In this instance, she mentioned watching Hollywood action movies on TV in the Soviet Union. Now that she's briefly sober, she'd like me to clarify that these movies were not shown on television in the Soviet Union because they propagated the enemy's value system. They were, however, available on black market VHS tapes. These tapes had been dubbed into Russian quickly and cheaply, meaning one person did every single voice. A tradition Sin continues to this day with the expanded family of Snack Covenant characters. Back to the podcast. So bingo is when you're in a place, more likely some sort of a retirement home, yep. and then you have a card in front of you, and then mm -hmm. there's a presenter in the front who picks a ball at random with a number on it and says the number like 32 or whatever. Yep. And then somebody who's playing the game is like, oh, I got all the numbers, bingo. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger busts through the wall and starts shooting at bad guys. That's traditional, yes. <laughs> traditional bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sophie, would you like to explain your interpretation of bingo? My interpretation of bingo is that you have a 5x5 five five grid, and you fill it with numbers. And what happens is people call out numbers at random, and what you have to do is every time your number's called out, you cross off one of the numbers that you put in the grid, and if you can get all the way from one side to the other, kind of like tic-tac-toe, you get the bingo. I don't know what you win. Well, according to you, Arnold Schwarzenegger bursts in, so... <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> in our Elden Ring bingo, we're going to have predictions instead of numbers mm. in the squares. Yes, we are. So you ready for this? All right. Sophie, read the first thing on your list. Okay, the first thing I predict we will see in Elden Ring is there'll be a very significant seeming, very long bridge or pathway that ends in nothing, very abruptly, with no explanation. <laughs> I'm thinking like the Great Bridge from Dark Souls 3, I'm thinking like the way the bridge in Bloodborne ends with a door that you can't open, the way the path from Hemwick ends in a, in a wall, and because Elden Ring is going to be a huge open world, there's so much more potential for paths that don't go anywhere. 
What if it's a bridge that leads to another bridge to another bridge and it's like... I an... feel like a bridge that leads to another bridge is just a bridge. No, no, it's gonna be like an infinity symbol bridge. Like a Sonic the Hedgehog kind of deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. I can see that working. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. I predict that there's going to be some sort of a hub area as well as a firekeeper. And I base that prediction because... You may not have noticed this unless mm -hmm. you paid extra close yeah. attention to well, games. Well, I'm not, I'm not as smart as you. <laughs> but yeah. in all of the Soulsborne games, right, right, there's actually been a hub. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> and some sort of a firekeeper. What about Dark Souls? It's been a little while since I played it. Yeah. I'm going to research that information after the podcast and I'll get back to you. Thank you, Sin. You're welcome. My prediction number two is there's going to be a character, an NPC, who needs you to help them, but if you help them, their quest ends badly. I'm thinking like Gascoigne's daughter, like you don't want to help her because it always ends badly for her. Yeah. Thinking like like Sigmire, like the more you help him, the more useless he gets, and the more likely he is to hollow. Maybe someone who's just like stuck in a in a house or something, and um, they want to get out, and you help them get out, and they get eaten or something like that. Oh no! No. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Speaking of NPCs, I actually made a list of voice actors that I think are going to make an appearance in Elden Ring. Ooh, okay. I think we can put them all in one square. All right. Can I can I guess who they are? Okay, that's actually really good. Okay, guess, and I'll tell you they're on my list. Sean Barrett. I don't have him on my list. Who did he voice? He's Andre. Oh, that's a good one. Peter Marinka. Who did he voice? Frampt. We recently heard someone else do Frampt, didn't we? Chaosu chose an undead. <laughs> Bravo, thank you. Did I get the part? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Daniel Flynn. Yes, I do have Daniel Flynn. Okay. And can you tell us who he voiced? Solaire and Alfred. Yes. And um, the very memorable character of Blue Sentinel Targre. Sin is now staring blankly. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a... He's just a quest NPC in Dark Souls 2. You give too, and he levels up the, the Blue Covenant. Didn't he also voice a very important character in a very important anime? That's true, he is the voice of Benton in Cyber City Oedo. Could you quote him for us? You wouldn't recognize a vampire if one got up and bit you on the end of your fucking dick. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie, that's beautiful. <laughs> Do you have any other guesses? What about Iveta? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because I think she she's she's just the Sony stuff, and this is... Um, hmm. Yeah. I think Iveta's going to come back, and could you tell us who she voiced? She voiced the Maiden in Black and the Doll, and also Queen Annalise in an earlier version, <laughs> where the Doll was the voice of Imposter Yasafka. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. I also have Jenny Funnel. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, um, oh god. Lucy Briggs Owen. 
<gasps> right. Could you tell yeah. us who they voice, by the way? Uh, Lucy Briggs Owen is every woman in Bloodborne. <laughs> and Jenny Final voices Queen Annalise and Dr. Yosefka. Yeah. And specifically, Lucy Briggs Owen voices female protagonist one, imposter doctor, sister Adela, biker Amelia. Yeah, and she was also the doll in the unused version. Wow. What about Connor Byrne? Oh yeah, Gascoigne. Um, maybe, because if there's going to be a whole lot of different kingdoms, there might be like a more Celtic one. They might want an Irish okay. guy. Yeah. And last one. Mm-hmm. Joe Sims. <laughs> he, voices, he voices Lawrence in the credits, but not in the game. Could you elaborate? <laughs> Joe Sims is like, he's the older Yarnamite voices that are like, Look out of here, you beast! That's Joe Sims. And um, he's also credited as the voice of Lawrence, but he's not actually doesn't actually appear in the game. So the whole theory is he, he was like the Beast Lawrence voice that we don't hear. So he's basically Erden. If you couldn't hear Erden. Can you hear Erden? Oh my god, you only hear Erden. I got confused because Erden is invisible, but in my head it's like, oh, he's invisible, so we can't hear him. <laughs> we should point out that this episode was preceded with you having to go into work and then discover a computer wasn't working and come back again. So you're tired <laughs> and not in a very good mood. Uh, thank you, Sophie. Mm. Thank you, Sen. So, could you now please tell me your next bingo? My bingo number three is, there'll be an area in the game that's some sort of prison, and the enemies in that area will be made out of the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've noticed that's a recurring thing. We got it in Dark Souls, we got it in Demon Souls, we got it in Dark Souls 3, and we sort of got it in Bloodborne. Only there it's a hospital, but if, if you're a Foucauldian, they're the same thing. I feel like it's it's like a very consistent Miyazaki thing, so we're definitely going to see that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Speaking of areas, mm-hmm. I think we're going to get some sort of a poisonous swamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why do you think that? It's just my intuition, you know? Right, okay. okay. I understand if you disagree. Well, I mean... <laughs> He's got George R. R. Martin on board, but I don't think we're going to go that far from like what we're used to. Yeah. Maybe for Elden Ring 2, when they have to really push the boundaries, we'll get like a swamp, maybe. Perhaps a swamp leading to another swamp. <laughs> Since in this swamp, do you think the swamp, it might be like the ground is poisonous, but there'll be a series of rickety wooden platforms above it? Because I can, I can see a design like that maybe working, but only once. <laughs> You just gave me a vision. Oh. The whole game is a swamp. What tedious to get through. <laughs> yes, the whole game is a swamp. Yeah. And it's very poisonous. Right. And most of the time you spend in the swamp and you have no armor that protects you from the swamp. But right. in the swamp, they have anti-swamp flowers that grow there. As you walk, you gotta pick up and eat the flowers not to die in the swamp all the time. I play that. Sounds like it's like a procedural high concept Steam game. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in a swamp, like actually in one? I've been at lakes. Yeah. A lake is basically a swamp that's not Kigari, right? Well, that's the thing, because like the lake where I live, that that is 
That is a swamp that they make into a lake by pumping all of this fresh water into it. That means when it dries up, it turns back into a swamp. So sometimes in summer, it becomes a swamp again and you're able to walk across it. Mm-hmm. And I, I walk across the lake and I walk through the swamp. It's quicker. Oh, wow. Yeah. As I walk through the valley of the poisonous swamp, I take a look at Elden Ring and realize it's cancelled. <laughs> Did you come up with that yourself? It took me four months to write it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Incredible. Um, Sophie, earlier... I said a word that you might find a little confusing. Fuck you. Hi, Sophie here. I'd just like to apologize for my little outburst there upon hearing the word Kigare. Kigare is a Japanese word that means filth or impurity, and was central to a vastly overrated and unjustifiably influential video made by Richard in late 2016. Richard is dead now, but unfortunately I have inherited something called the Ishii of Richard, a Japanese word meaning legacy or dying will. This means I'm required to answer questions about Richard's content, follow up on Richard's content, and explain myself to Richard's family. Back to the podcast. Sophie, so what's your next bingo? Okay, so my number four is there'll be some ill-defined thing that's bad, but it spreads. Because it's spreading, they have to either burn, bury, or flood the kingdom that it's spreading from. That's very good, and that's actually reminiscent of every Soulsborne game. That's true, yes. It wasn't in Dark Souls 2, but then we found out it used to be, and they just cut it. (laughs) Thank you, Sophie. Sin, what do you have for your number four? I don't want to be, like, typical, but I feel Mm -hmm. like we're going to get to this one at some point. Yeah, okay. I think there are going to be a whole bunch of dead babies. Is this the free space on the bingo card? Yes! <laughs> okay, okay. And they're either going to be theoretical dead babies, like in Bloodborne. Yeah. Or literal dead babies, like we saw in Demon Souls, the right. one that live in the swamp. Yeah, yeah. Or like the cut baby that we saw in Dark Souls 3. Right, right. I'm going to go out on a limb. It's going to be all three. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. So what is your next bingo, Sophie? Okay, so we're getting a little more conceptual here, right? Mm -hmm. My number five is that a crucial piece of in-game terminology will be very, very poorly defined. And as a result, there will be endless arguments within the fandom over whether something is or is not a true example of that. There's a big argument about who is and is not undead in Dark Souls. Because they say you can't die, but then at the same time you have characters who are undead and do die. I guess they weren't true undead. In Bloodborne, you're a hunter, but then there's other hunters. There's hunters of the dream. There's huntsmen. There's Yahagul hunters. Who's a true hunter? Who can say? So I think that's going to happen, and it's going to be something to do with with the descendants of the gods, I think. I think there's going to be a lot of arguments over who is and is not like a part of the divine bloodline, because the game is going to do a terrible job of explaining it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And you know what? You just gave me an idea for my number five. 
Oh, oh. Everything you just said, but with translations. Yeah, so it'll it'll be like Chamber Knight Goron is not a true <laughs> sundered one. <laughs> and it will be a fucking like 10,000 page thread on Reddit. <laughs> and you'll go there one day and half it'll just be like this post was deleted. <laughs> it's like wandering into the aftermath of a fucking war zone. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Okay, I think we'll, we'll make those into one thing. Okay. So, what is your number five? My number five is... I feel like your things are more intellectual and conceptual. My number five is a door that only opens from the other side. (laughs) 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 Well, Sin, you were just saying like, oh, yours is much more intellectual. But uh, my number six is just a character whose name is derived from Julia. We've had Yuria, we've had Yuri, we've had Yulia. He clearly likes the name. That's a very good point. And Sophie, I don't know if you remember, but in one of the previous episodes, we actually came up with a character called Zulia. Oh my god. So maybe Zulia is going to be in Elden Ring. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Thank you, Sophie. What do you have for your number six? For my number six, I have patches. Yeah, you think patches? Patches. Yeah. One hundred percent patches. Do you mean like literal patches, or like a character with the role of patches? It's gonna be like patches the Elden. Elden patches. <laughs> Elden patches. He may or may not promise treasure and then push you and kick you from a cliff. Maybe he'll be like, oh, there's so many Elden Rings in that dark hole. Check it out. (laughs) What if for once, you're Mm -hmm. the one that gets to kick Patches? What if you trick Patches in this game? It's like revenge. Hmm. What's your number seven, Sophie? Well, Sin, my number seven is... An area full of enemies that can't be harmed unless you use a specific item. Thinking like the ghosts in New Londo, and then in Dark Souls 2, which the Master Miyazaki did not work on, but <laughs> that does have Elium Lois, where the enemies are invisible unless you use the Eye of the Priestess. I hope we have that. I like stuff like that. It makes you go back to certain areas of the game you couldn't go to before. Yeah. Makes it exciting. Yeah. Now, that actually gave me an idea for a different number seven on my end. Oh. A gimmick boss. Just the one? There's going to be three gimmick bosses. What will the gimmicks be? Okay, one of them, you have to find a ring, right? And then once you have a ring, you can ask them to marry you. And then you live happily ever after. (laughs) It's the Undertale version. (laughs) Another one is you're going to, like, jump on them from above and stab them through the head. Right. And a third one will be, you're going to drive a car into them. (laughs) Do you have any ideas for a gimmick boss? I think we should combine those two things and you you should have to make a car fall on them. (laughs) Oh my god, 
those action movies where actually mm. there's like a cargo plane or whatever yeah. with yeah. a bunch of cars in them, like in Fast and Furious, and then you have to drop a whole bunch of cars, and then you're driving the car as it's falling. I mean, it is open world. We have to figure out a way to get around. Yeah. I don't think it's just going to be the horse. Okay. <laughs> we know there's multiple mounts, so there's going to be the horse and the car. Only it's like it's like Fallout 2 where the getting the car is this massively complicated quest and then when you get it you have to keep using fuel to keep it going. That's very original. Did they steal that fuel idea from my poisonous swamp flower idea? Yes, yeah. I mean it's it's, it's before Fallout was good, so they had to steal ideas from you. They didn't have Todd Howard. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> Hi, Sophie here. Sin's favourite game of all time is Fallout, and when I learned this I was really excited to talk to her about it, because I grew up playing Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. When I brought this up to her, she cut me off abruptly and said, No, the good Fallouts. These good Fallouts can easily be identified by the fact that they're in 3D and you don't need to click on a hex to move a design philosophy Sin has termed clickbait. I then showed her a screenshot of the original Wasteland, and she refused to believe it was a real game. Back to the podcast. What's your number eight? My number eight is... A very fun and cute shortcut is discovered by speedrunners. Everyone really likes it, and then they patch it out. I know. What if instead of patching shortcuts out, they're going to be patching them in? I love that. I mean, they, they, they kind of did that with Dark Souls. Are they going to steal all my ideas, or...? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. As per tradition, my suggestion is a little less cerebral than yours. <laughs> Interesting how we have traditions, even though this is my second episode. <laughs> I wrote down feet. Ooh. We encounter a lot of feet in the Soulsborne series. That's true. There's Yorshka's feet. Firekeeper's feet. Maiden in Black's feet. Imposter Yusefka's feet. Yusefka's feet. Frida's feet. Bagarius's feet. <laughs> What's your number nine? My number nine, going back to like world design, is there'll be an area that, in terms of the world, plays a hugely significant role and the world couldn't function without, and we're led to believe that like every important character in the game has come and gone from this one place over and over again. But then when we actually go there, it will only be accessible by a single elevator that connects to somewhere completely unrelated. I feel like that is a very Soulsborne spirit right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Double points if it's a ladder, just to make it even more bizarre and undignified. <laughs> I'm thinking like the way the entirety of Upper Cathedral Ward is only accessible through Erden Chapel and another building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd think it'd be connected to the, to the actual cathedral, but it's not. 
there's actually no way to get up there from the cathedral. In order to get to the top floor of the cathedral, you have to leave the cathedral, go through two different buildings, <laughs> cross a huge bridge. Well, in order to get to Party Village, you have to fall down a hole. Yeah. Or climb up a little ledge that has no ladder. Yeah. I'm also thinking of the way that, like, the purging monument in Dark Souls 3, they make a huge deal out of it, and it's reached by just a ladder falls out of the sky. A ladder falls out of the sky. <laughs> they set it up as this massive, like, ooh, the purging monument, show your humanity, and you solve this puzzle, and then it's like, whoosh, oh, and then, bunk. Just <laughs> <laughs> said to be at world's end. <laughs> The close of the age of fire. Oh! Bonk. Wide up. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sen. What is your number nine? Moonlight sword reveal. Ooh. And I know how it's going to be revealed. Uh-huh. Broom. Ladder. <laughs> <laughs> It's a ladder that goes all the way to the moon. <laughs> you climb it and Seath is up there. What's your number 10, Sophie? My number 10 is, uh, it's actually just written phonetically. Dum dum, ah ho, dum dum, oh ho, dum dum, ah ho, dum dum, oh ho. Was this a boss fight music? I think it might be. I think it might be several boss fights. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you think the levels will be completely silent, but then we get epic boss fight music? I think that'll be true in all but one, and that one unsilent one will have a haunting singing in the background from an NPC. The hub might have music too. This is the hub music up in my jam. And then Frampt is there being like, Ciao, Sucho's on the dead. <laughs> what is your number 10, Sin? My number 10 is co op. Oh, okay. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know, now I have doubts. Do you think there's going to be co-op? It's hard to say. I feel like Sekiro would have been more fun with co-op. I just don't know how, considering the combat. Sekiro would have been more fun with co-op, but I don't know how, considering combat. Heavily implies it wouldn't have been more fun with co-op, it would have been a huge mess. <laughs> but you get to play it with your friends! Yeah. Which you have none of, but those of us who have friends, Sophie. I have a list of my friends in the corner. It has all their birthdays on it, okay? No number four. Why am I not number one? It's chronological. Well, start your year with March. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how there's like the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New Year. We have the Sin New Year. Hi, Sophie here. Because the Snack Covenant's listeners are spread far and wide, they all use different systems of measurement, by which I mean two. 
So in order to make things a little easier, we measure everything in sins. 5 feet 1 inches is 1 sin, and 36 years is 1 normal age. And as you've just heard, the Sin New Year begins on March 29th. This may sound a little self-centred to you, but Sin assures me that it isn't. Back to the podcast. So Sophie, what's your number 11? Okay, my number 11 is... There will be an eternally suffering woman who fans insist there, I'm doing big air quotes here, must be a way to either rescue or marry. A bonus point if it includes the line, I cannot die cursed as I am, <laughs> or some variant of that. <laughs> Sin, what is your number 11? I think there's going to be a DLC, but it's only accessible after you beat another DLC. So what happens if you buy the second DLC but not the first? You just fucked. Yeah. The master Miyazaki does it again. (laughs) It's a game for experts. (laughs) (laughs) If you try to access it, you just get a picture of Miyazaki with his arms folded smoking at you. Oh my god, we're coming to number 12. That's the last one, right? Yes, the last one. Sophie, what's your number 12? My number 12 is simple. It's to the point. It's something I think we can all expect to see in Elden Ring. Yeah. A katana you power up by stabbing yourself. (laughs) I think it'll have shadow or dark or blood in the name. 100%. Sin, what is your number 12? Well, my number 12 is that one day we're going to find cut content that's going to show us that Elden Ring started as Dark Souls 4. Because we know that at some point in its inception, Bloodborne started out as Demon Souls 2. Fucking prove it! (laughs) Well, I am not convinced! And it's not canon. Why are you talking about it? You're only allowed to talk about things that are canonical to this six-year-old game. Just because there's lots of other things to talk about, and it has been six years, and you've exhausted the base game, you're never allowed to talk about anything else. (laughs) Sorry to know what came over me. (laughs) Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. But I have a number 13. Look into my eyes, Sophie, because we can see each other on cam. And tell me what I wrote down as number 13. Is it Ludwig killing Maria? It's Ludwig killing Maria. Hi, Sophie here. I used to doubt Sin's powers as a loracle until one day I received irrefutable proof. Sin predicted that Lady Maria of the Astral Clock Tower had been killed by Ludwig the Holy Blade. Her reasoning? Ludwig looked sketchy. It was later confirmed through data mining that Maria had been killed by Simon the Harrowed, 
but Simon can't possibly kill anything because Simon sucks. Therefore, it was Ludwig. Data mining has also revealed that upon death, Simon used to say, Ludwig, dot dot dot, Maria, dot dot dot. Is it possible that the first three dots represent the word killed? And the second three dots represent the phrase, sin was right, seriously? The rights to our proposed TV series, The Inspector Sinclair Mysteries, can be purchased through Snack Covenant LLC. Back to the podcast. How do you think they'll implement that? Simon shows up on screen and goes, Ludwig! Maria! No! (laughs) Do you think it'll be like the books in Derasane? You pick up one, it could be called, like, The Assassination of Lady Maria by the Coward. (laughs) Ludwig the Horse. Outro. That was the Snack Covenant episode 240, Elden Ring Bingo, or if you prefer, Elden Ringo. Sin, if people want to find Ringo, where can they look? They can look no further than Thomas the Engine, because he narrated it. (laughs) When the Elden Ring was shattered, they were very cross. The gods will think I am running a bad kingdom, he thought. (laughs) Thanks, Chosen Undead. You're really useful. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Sin. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And see y'all next time for episode 241. Bye. I didn't come up with the episode yet. Elden Ring backgammon.